are. We thank you, Father, for all of your goodness and kindness and mercy. We thank you, Father, for sending your very own Son to die for us, to shed blood for us, to suffer a terrible, agonizing death on the cross, Father, because you loved us that much. You thought that we were that valuable, Father. So you didn't send an angel, Father, or a lesser being. You sent your very own Son. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful. Thank you. Father, we thank you for healing our bodies, allowing us to live in divine health, Father, free from sickness and disease. Father, your word is sure. Your word is true, Father. That you desire for us to live all of the days of our lives, Father, free from sickness and disease, aches and pains, Father. Father, when it's time for us to go home, we just turn the light off, Father. Separate our spirits from our body. We enter into eternity with you. Father, we're not required to die of sickness or disease. So, Father, we thank you for these things. Lord, we give you all the praise and the honor for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, when the Lord uh, threw Lucifer out of heaven, uh, as far as we know, it was Michael the archangel that, that did that work because, you know, uh, rebellion and sin had entered into the camp in the heart of Lucifer. Uh, but Jesus didn't take care of that himself. He just sent, you know, the number two guy to go down there and, and uh, take Lucifer out of heaven. But when he redeemed mankind, he came down himself. Amen? Uh, and so, you know, we're thankful for that. And that's one reason why the devil hates us so much because, you know, Jesus didn't even think he was, uh, that Lucifer was worthy of his time to deal with his sin, uh, but he thought you were worthy enough to send his own son, amen, into the earth. And so uh, the Lord thinks a lot of, of, of us, amen. We should never sell ourselves short uh, and we should never think of ourselves less than the Lord thinks of us, amen. Um, in fact, it's good to meditate on the word of God to remind yourself that uh, a king died for you, that shed, blood was shed on your behalf, amen, and that the Lord loves you dearly. Uh, and um, there's no place in, in the body of Christ for people to think less of themselves. Uh, I know sometimes people do that on their own. You know, they just think that I'm not worthy or I'm un, uh, that uh, nobody can love me, that uh, I, I'm not worth having nice things or uh, anything, any thoughts like that. Um, there's no place for that in the body of Christ because Jesus died for you. A king came and died for you. Uh, and uh, if we could get out of that mindset, we would have a lot more confidence in our prayers to the Lord. Because if you feel unworthy to, to have anything nice in this earth or to even the love of another human being, then you'll never feel worthy to go to the Lord in boldness uh, and, and request uh, things that you have need of in this earth. Uh, and so... The Bible tells us in, in uh, Romans chapter 12 to not think more highly of self than you ought to think, but the, the opposite of that is just as true, to not think less of yourself than you ought to think, amen? Uh, and thinking that, you're, that a king died for you, blood was shed on your behalf, uh, that you, you have your eternity in heaven with the Lord, uh, is not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. In fact, it's thinking just exactly what the, Lord, what the Word says about you. And you should always think about yourself, what the, what the Word thinks about you. Uh, and, uh, and if you do that, then you can never, then, then nobody has the power to manipulate you in this life, right? You, because people will try to manipulate you into making you feel bad or to coerce you to doing things uh, by pressuring you, uh, and you become impervious to those things that, uh, uh, no, I don't have to do that because God loves me. Uh, and you're under no pressure or condemnation from other people because, and I've had plenty of people to try to tell me, you know, nobody could love you. You know, you're a sorry, no-count individual human being. Uh, and they say those things, but then uh, in my heart, the, the words rise up. But a king died for you. Right. Blood was shed for you. Yes. Yes. And so, yeah, you don't like me, but the king of, of all the universe loves me. Amen. And so if I compare those two, there's no comparison, right? So, uh, and I, uh, I know that sounds simple, but a lot of folks struggle with uh, uh, 
lack of, uh, uh, of self-confidence, right? And not about confident about being speaking in front of people, but uh, feeling like they're unworthy of anything. Uh, and if you really knew who you were in the Lord, you'd walk around like you just won first prize at the county fair, right? That, uh, wow, look, you know, somebody loves me. Um, and so the Lord is good, amen? Uh, and so uh, we're continuing in, in Dr. McCrossin's book here. Uh, and um, he's talking about the six reasons why we should take Jesus as our savior or our healer. Uh, and we're on reason number five uh, in, in the sense to, in his reason number five is that it still applies today. So we should accept Jesus as our divine healer for day, today because it still applies today. Uh, in the first, he went through, he's going through a couple of reasons why this is so, two reasons why it's uh, divine healing is for today. The first one we talked about last week that uh, about uh, Christ's last great commission, right? In the end of the book of Mark, he gave uh, what we call the great commission. Uh, and uh, and, and it just we won't go through all the details again, but we'll read it just to uh, remind ourselves. In Mark chapter 16, we'll just, uh, well, we'll just, we'll just read the whole great commission, right? Uh, because it's, uh, it's all good, right? Uh, and so uh, it's good to know where this is at, the last chapter of Mark. Now, these, these, uh, the specifics of these things, we see all of these things, except for the drinking of deadly things, found in uh, the works that he did in the book of Acts. And so there is some controversy they tell you that some of these verses are not found in the best manuscripts, and so some translations actually leave out this whole thing here. Uh, and I'm confident enough that the Lord decided that, that he wanted this in there when he, when he got the uh, church together and established the, the scriptures or what they should be, that that's what the Lord wanted. And so uh, and nothing in here would, would uh, dissuade us from believing that. Amen. Uh, and so it starts in verse 15. It says, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, you know, right there, uh, he told the Jewish people to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every Jew outside of Israel. Is that what he said? No, he said to every creature, right? So would that include Gentiles as well? Well, I mean, that's what it would uh, say. And, and uh, so they were told multiple times to go outside of Jerusalem and preach the gospel. And yet, what did they do for the first decade or so of the church? Hung around Jerusalem, right? Never went anywhere. Uh, and it wasn't until great persecution showed up uh, but, you know, anytime you get outside the will of God, great persecution is going to show up. Amen. Uh, and so go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, he that believeth not is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Uh, and so uh, signs only follow believers. Amen. There are plenty of people in the church who believe enough to get saved and receive salvation, but they never advance their faith beyond that. Uh, and he said, uh, if you're going to have these signs following, they, they come from you believing. And so what if you don't believe in healing? I don't believe in healing. You know, I've never been healed. Well, you just, that just explains why, right? If you don't believe in healing, then, you know, you're not going to. Now, can the Lord heal without faith? There is several examples in the Gospels when Jesus healed without faith, when, when the person that he was healing had no faith. How much faith did Lazarus express when he was raised from the dead? hard to express any faith if you're dead, right? And so, you know, when you're raising somebody from the dead, they've got no faith. Uh, and so there are cases where you can, uh, where you, you can uh, get somebody healed even if they have no faith, but uh, it's rare if ever, uh, I'm sure the Lord can just do an absolute sovereign work, but it's hard for him to do that if they're in unbelief, right? So you got different levels. Uh, you got faith and you got doubt then you got no faith, you know, then you got just unbelief. And unbelief is, is as strong as a decision as faith is. Unbelief says, I know what it says, it's not true. In a case like that, the Lord is, uh, is it's nearly impossible because he would have to override your will for you to be healed. Uh, and so there are a lot of Christians who, they just don't have any faith for healing. They don't, they've never been taught it. They've never studied it. They've never meditated on it. And so they're kind of in a neutral zone, right? They're not really in faith about it. They're not in unbelief about it. Now, you've got plenty of the church who's, who says, yes, I know this in the Bible. It's not for today. And so they made a decision, right? So unbelief is a decision. Unbelief is I'm, I've looked at the word of God and I've declared based on my great intelligence and, and knowledge that that is not true. Now, I don't know how people say that, but, they, but uh, have you ever heard anybody say it's not for today? Well, there's 
over 400 scriptures related to healing in the, in the, script, in the Bible, New Testament, Old Testament, how do you come to that conclusion? By his stripes you were healed. How do you can come to the conclusion after he said, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you? How do you come to that conclusion that he said he sent his word and healed you? How do you, how do you get to that conclusion that, uh, uh, beloved, I worship of all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth? I mean, how do you get to that conclusion that the Lord doesn't want to heal you when the scriptures are full of verses that says he wants to heal you? You, you look at that and you say, that's not for today. Well, that's the, only, that's the only way you can get to the conclusion. If you get to that conclusion, then you're in unbelief. And, and the book, now I didn't say this, but the book he was calls it an evil heart of unbelief because it's a decision. You've, you've made a conscious, active decision that the word of God is a lie. You don't say it that way, but that's what you're declaring, right? If you're saying it's not for today, God has stopped healing, God does not heal today, then you're saying that the word of God is no longer uh, correct. Um, you, know, you got doubt, right? Which is like, well, I know it says that, and I, man, I'd love to believe it. I just, I just have a hard time believing that. It's not really that hard to believe it. You just believe it, right? Uh, but uh, I know you should, that sounds pretty flippant, uh, and I'm not trying to be flippant about it, but uh, if you have a hard time in doubt, you go back and read it again. You go back and read it again. You meditate on it. You, you say it over and over again. Well, Lord, you said in your word that you're my healer. Uh, and so uh, developing faith is not difficult, but it does take effort. Uh, now, some things, some people, it's the easiest thing in the world for them to, to, to believe. But then for some things, for some people, it takes a little bit more work that, that they have to uh, read their scriptures and, and find out what they say. Uh, you know, for me, when I got saved, easiest thing in the world for me to get saved. I wanted to get saved since I was a small child, and, but I didn't know how to get saved. And finally, somebody on TV says, well, here's how to get saved. Just accept Jesus. Well, I, I could do that. I, do, I mean, I've been trying to figure out how to get saved for years. And, and then the, the fellow on TV told me how to do it. Okay, no problem. Now, some people, you know, uh, the Bible says that, that uh, believe and confess, you know, believe in your heart that God raised you from dead and confess him as your Lord. Some people are like, well, I don't know. I, you know. Well, see, then it's hard for them to believe. Now, it shouldn't be, but it, you know. Uh, but the easiest thing in the world for me to, for, for me to get saved. But then, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in church, didn't grow up uh, in Sunday school, never heard anything about the, the Word of God. Uh, I never heard anything about the ministry of the Holy Spirit before I got saved. Uh, you know, everybody knows about Jesus, you know, and a few of the big stories, you know, David and Goliath. And, you know, but I never heard anything about Abraham. You know, you don't hear about Abraham outside the church. Uh, and, uh, and so I'd never heard anything about the Holy Spirit. You know, we heard, we heard the doxology about uh, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but th that means nothing to somebody outside the church. And so when I got into the, into the Pentecostal church and they started talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues, I had no faith for that. Uh, I had no knowledge of it, so I had no faith for it. Uh, and they were pressuring me, you need to get baptized with the Holy Spirit right now and speak with other tongues. And it wasn't that I was against it, but for me, it was such a foreign concept. That I had no idea what it was. I had no faith for it. it wasn't, I wasn't in unbelief. You know, I don't believe that so. I was just in the area where I had no word, and so I had no faith for it. Now, some people, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, some people, you know, you always got people like that. You say, hey, you know, God wants you to speak in tongues. Okay. And they, show, and they start picking his tongues. It's amazing, right? And, and they have just like childlike faith. Because, you know, children, they don't need, you don't, need, you don't have to prove to children everything, right? Because they're children. If you say, hey, sky's blue. Okay, sky's blue. You know, they just accept it because they're, they have the uh, faith of a child. And many people can do that. Many people, they just walk into church and uh, somebody will say, hey, you need to be saved and speak with other tongues. Okay, and they just get saved and start speaking with other tongues. Uh, and, uh, and that's great. I'm not that way. You know, I'm just, it is not that the Lord owes me anything, but in that, in that situation, uh, it took me a while. It took me about a year and a half after I got saved, going to church, you know, every Sunday. Uh, and uh, hearing about it, studying it, reading the word myself, because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what the ministry of the Holy Spirit was at all. Uh, and, and so, but they kept, uh, they kept pressuring me. You need, to, you need to speak with tongues. Okay, yeah. Well, let me pray for you right now. Oh, I, I'm not right ready for you. Shut up. I'm doing it anyway. And they lay hands on me. Now speak in tongues. What's that mean? You know, and so, you know, it just, and so, I, you know, I try not to be that way. Uh, you know, I try to see where somebody's at in their faith, right? If, if they've got the faith for it, 
then no problem. I'll pray for you right now, and you speak with other tongues. No problem. Uh, but, you know, if, if, uh, if it's foreign to you, just keep on coming back. Just keep on coming back and hearing the word, and we'll get you there, right? We'll get you together. And so after about a year and a half, uh, you know, uh, I'd gotten my faith built up, got the knowledge of it. And, and so uh, I was never in unbelief about it. Uh, and I know some people who say, I know it's in the word. It's not for me. Well, that's a decision. You've made a decision that, that the word of God is not true. Not, I mean, you know, I, I know good, faithful, sincere Christians who will look at the word of God and the, in the, specifically in the doctrine of speaking with other tongues and say, that's not for me. Except Jesus said it was for you. I know, but it's not for me. But Jesus, the head of the church, said it's for you. Yes, but it's not for me. And so, see, that's unbelief. And, uh, and that is, uh, they will stay stuck in that position until they repent and, and recant that unbelief and say, well, if it's in the Word, you know, our response should be, if it's in the Word, it's for me. Uh, it, we shouldn't pick and choose what we want to do, what's comfortable with us, because that's such a low uh, measure, right? Uh, uh, such a terrible way to, to determine what we should have and not have of the word of God, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just terrible. And so uh, in the area of healing, we should have great faith for healing. The Lord, the Lord wants to heal me every single time. How many exceptions are there when the Lord does not want to heal you? None, right? Uh, now, some people say, well, uh, it wasn't God's will to heal me. And they say things like that. Uh, and, and again, it's always best to rephrase what you're saying to make it more clear. Because when you're saying it's not God's will to heal me, then what you're saying is God in heaven has decided to look at your situation and said, I choose, I would rather and prefer that they remain sick instead of being healed. Mm. Do you think God in heaven is doing that? You think God in heaven is looking at his, his children and going, I think it'd be better for them to remain sick. He's never, he never comes to that conclusion. And if he never comes to that conclusion, then he never has, then it's never his will for a Christian to remain sick. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that every Christian gets healed because this is, uh, how many people does God desire to go to hell? None. Does it, so that means nobody goes to hell, right? No, people go, go to hell every single day. And yet it's not the will of God that a single one of them do, uh, goes to hell. So why is that? Well, when it comes to the will of God versus the will of man, God will always, will always uh, yield to our will. Uh, and in the sense of, of uh, he, won't, he won't turn, he won't change our will, right? I mean, he, he does not have the capacity to change your will. Now, he can constrain your will if you're going to try to harm somebody else. He will constrain that will so you're not unable to accomplish what you desire to do. You know, he can do that. But as far as go, getting inside your, your will, your soul, and changing your will to I, I don't want to be saved to I do want to be saved, he will never do that. Uh, and so if he doesn't do that, see, he has chosen to give us a sovereign will uh, in our lives as, as part of our creation. Uh, and so sometimes what we do, or what we say, or what we, what we choose to, or how we choose to live is a hindrance to God expressing his will in our life. He wants to bless us. He wants to increase us. He wants to heal us. He wants to save us. But sometimes our actions hinder him from doing that. He, it doesn't change his will and desire his will and desire is unchangeable. In fact, uh, we know in the word of God that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means his will never changes. So uh, if for whatever reason uh, a, a child of God, specifically a child of God, is not well, then you have to get to the first stage of your faith in, in getting it settled that, yes, but God wants me to be well. See, a lot of Christians, uh, they're not well, and maybe they have a chronic sickness and disease, and that's oftentimes... Uh, a struggle for many Christians if they have a chronic sickness disease, which means it's just ongoing, right? It's not necessarily terminal, but it's chronic. It's there, been there for many years. Uh, and, and, and they'll believe God and believe God and it doesn't get better. And so they sometimes just kind of give up their believing and say, well, it just must be not God's will to heal me. And they just come to that conclusion. Instead of the other side of saying, Lord, I, I don't know why I'm not being healed. But I know that it's not on your side. It's not on your will. So it's got nothing to do with you. It's got something. I don't know what it is, but it's got something to do with me. And that doesn't mean that maybe it, it could be sin, but it could be something else. It doesn't have to be sin. It could be your, your philosophy, right? Well, you know, just as you get older, you know, things just start getting worse, you know. Uh, and, you know, you start getting weaker and you start getting, you know, start falling. And, 
you know, you just can't help getting older. You just get older, right? And, and things start, start hurting and things start breaking. And well, then what's the Lord going to do with that? Is he going to override that? It's your will, right? I mean, uh, and a lot of Christians are doing that. They're putting themselves in the grave uh, early lots of times, right? Uh, and we know the story that uh, Brother Hagin told many times, and it's just such a great story because it, 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 uh, it, it kind of puts that uh, whole mentality um, in the right perspective. But there was a fellow, uh, he was 39 years old, and he was on his deathbed. And the doctor said he, he, uh, he won't live much longer. And he knew the family. The family said, would you come and pray for him? And since he knew the family, you know, he didn't do that for everybody, but he knew the family. He said, okay, I'll come and pray for them. And, and as he was heading in that direction, the Lord said, don't pray for him. He's going to die. Well, well what do you do with that? Is it not God's will to heal? It is God's will to heal. And yet the Lord said, don't pray for him. Well, that just sounds odd, right? Because you said, uh, we haven't finished up Mark 16 there, but one of them says, the believer shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So is it always God's will to, to, to lay hands on the sick and recover? It is, unless there's some other mitigating circumstances. Uh, and so, so what do you do? Well, you just go and just, you know, pray whatever you pray. I don't know what he prayed, but he went and, and, and um, went and saw the fellow and he ended up dying. Uh, and so... Uh, he, now that's, uh, well, the other thing the Lord told Brother Hagin, he said, uh, spiritual laws which put in uh, motion many years ago cannot at this time be changed. And that's all he told Brother Hagin. He said, spiritual laws which were put in motion years ago cannot at this time be changed. And so he didn't have any other information, so he started talking to the family. Is, you know, is, is uh, uh, he ever say anything about not getting well or anything like that? He was talking to his brother, uh, and his brother said, oh, he said, as a matter of fact, you know, uh, we grew up together. We were, we were friends and, and um, you know, as, as brothers. And he said, we were kind of horsing around one time when he was around 18 years old. And he said, all of a sudden, my brother got real serious, looked at me. He said, he said I'll never see my 40th birthday. Uh, and so, uh, which is odd, right? I mean, who just says things like that? I'll never see my 40th birthday. Uh, and, and so Brother Hagin went to, the, went to his, his mom, the, the fellow that passed away, his mom said, did he ever say anything like that? He goes, she, she said, he said all the time, I'll never see my 40th birthday. I'll never see my 40th birthday. So now what can the Lord do with that? Nothing, because if, if somebody decides that, that they will not survive past their 40th birthday, then even though it's the will of God, because he said, with long life, I'll satisfy you. And so we, so that's, he's declaring his, his will there in, in Psalm 91, verse 16, that with long life, I'll satisfy you. That's my will. That's what you should shoot for is a long life that's satisfying. But if we choose to override what his will is with our will and say, I will never, yeah, that may be true, but I personally will never see my 40th birthday. Then now we, now, now we negate uh, and, and uh, uh, turn off the power of his promise. And now we no longer have access to the promise. Even though the promise is still there, we now no longer have access to the promise because our will has overridden his will and he won't change that. Now, now uh, you see the mercy of the Lord in that story because, uh, you know, he said, I'll never see my 40th birthday when he was 18 years old. But he could, he could have died when he was 19. He could die when he's 20. He could die when he's 25, 30, 35, 40. Or not 40, he didn't make it at 40, right? But he could have, he could have lived to be, uh, he could have died at 35. No, he died within like two months of his 40th birthday. Shows the mercy of the Lord that the Lord, uh, now see, uh, he could have changed when he was 20. He could have changed when he was 25. You know, 30's getting close, 35, he might have missed a boat at 35. You know, that he'd said it so much that the Lord's like, you know, sorry that you, you already put this train in motion. I can't change it. It's like, spiritual laws, so the spiritual law was your declaration. What's your, what's your word? What's your confession? That's a spiritual law. Your confession is a spiritual law. Whatever you say is what you're going to have. Uh, and that's a spiritual law. And Lord said, I can't change it. He's already declared it to be so. I, can't, I would have to override his will in order for that to change. Uh, and so uh, we, if we'll get settled in our hearts, what, what is the will of God? See, then, then we can go back to then what we, what we uh, studied uh, in the morning services about how bad do you want it. See, then we would pursue the answer. Lord, why? I want to know why, Lord. I want to know why I'm struggling in this area, getting this thing healed. I want to know why. Uh, because it could be 
uh, your confession. It could be sin. It could be your lack of confession. Right? I mean, it could be a bad confession. It could be no confession, right? Uh, I remember there was a fellow, a friend of mine, uh, he was terminal. He had terminal cancer. Uh, and um, I, I was just talking to him one day just to kind of encourage him. I said, you know, I, n- I never hear you declare your faith. I never hear you say, I'm the healed of God. I hear you say, please pray for me a lot, right? He'd go, hey, pray for me. I'm sick. You know, hey, pray for me. Said, That's fine. That's not your faith, right? That's just a request to other people, right? I mean, that, that's okay, but you've walked to walk with the Lord a long time. He kind of expects you to, to, to do some things on your own. Uh, and so uh, I said, I just never hear you ever confess that. And he kind of got offended at me. Well, you know, you, who are you to tell me? I'm, I'm nobody, but I'm still, I'm still saying, I, I, don't know, I don't know your faith. Because, uh, I mean, you hear me plenty of times. I say, I'm going to live a long life. That's my faith. I, I'll, I'll live a long life, a long, satisfied life. Uh, and, you know, as far as I can tell, I have a right to live to be 120 years old. I don't see why I can't live to be 120 years old, strong and well and satisfied. Uh, and uh, uh, when it gets to be 120 years old, you know, the Lord will be like, you know, you've been around there long enough, come on home. Because he didn't promise anything else beyond that. Now, could you now, some people believe you could live beyond that. I don't know. You don't have a, I don't have a promise for that. I have a promise in, in, in Genesis chapter 6 to live 120 years old. I don't have a promise for anything beyond that. So, because, uh, I mean, then if that's true, it seems like you could live to be 900 years old, right? Uh, be like Methuselah. I'm shooting for Methuselah, 969 years old. That's great. Uh, just think what you'd know if you could live that long. Amen? I mean, you know, we know nothing before we pass. Even if we live a long life, we don't know anything. I just think about living, you know, 10 times longer than, than uh, I mean, at 40 years old, that's, that's uh, 20 times longer than, than uh, uh, people lived at that point in time. Amen? Just think what you could learn if you, you could live that long on the earth. Uh, and so, so the Great Commission, he said, uh, these signs shall follow them that believe. So if you don't believe, then you're not qualified for any of these signs. Uh, it is not, the Lord's not punishing you, right? There's no, there's no punishment on his side. Well, I'm not giving that to you. He's unable to give that sign to you, right? Because he said the, the sign, there's a qualification to receive the sign, which is, which is faith. Well, I don't believe that's going to happen. Then you're not qualified. It's not, it's, he's not punishing you. There's no punishment on his side. It's you're not qualified for the promise. And most of the promises of God have a qualification, right? Remember John, uh, John 15, 7? says, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what you will, and shall, it shall be done unto you. So that's great. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. That's a great promise, right? Uh, and so is there any limit to what you can ask? You didn't say any limit, right? Now, we know in the whole counsel of God, there are things outside the will of God that we don't ask for, things that would uh, be sinful. Uh, but inside the will of God, there's a big expanse, right? Fullness of health, fullness of prosperity, fullness of peace of mind. There's a, big, a lot of big things we can ask for. Uh, but he gives you three requirements for that verse, right? Abide in me, my words abide in you, and what's the third one? Ask. Well, I didn't, I didn't ask the Lord. I, just, I didn't feel comfortable asking the Lord, you know. Well, then you're not qualified. Ask and it shall be given unto you. So a lot of times people want the promise, the end result of the promise, without looking to see what is the requirements to obtain that promise. And so in this case, the requirements for these promises, you've got to believe that they're so. Well, you know, I don't believe in laying hands on people. Okay, fine. You're not qualified to receive the promise then. Um, God's not, not uh, holding it back. He's not restraining from giving it to you. You are restraining from, from receiving it from the Lord. Uh, and so these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. Well, I, you know, uh, I, I don't like using the name of Jesus, you know. Let's use the name of Christ. That's not his name. That's his title or position, right? Christ means the Messiah or the anointed one. So that's not his last name, right? It's not Jesus Christ, right? He doesn't, he, you don't look up in the rolls and see by alphabetical order by last name and say Christ comma Jesus, right? That's not his, that's not his last name. Right? And so he's just Jesus. Uh, and so, so his name is Jesus, Amen. It's not Christ, it's not, uh, it's not the Son of God, that's his position uh, and rank, but it's not his, it's not his, uh, his name. Uh, and so, and, and you know, it's interesting to me, you ever notice Christians that are uncomfortable saying the name of Jesus? Just saying Jesus? Yeah, you ever notice, you know, especially you get into really uh, kind of the upper crust of, of Christianity, you know, where they're all just so formal and just, oh, thou, you know, and, just, and the God and all these things. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll say Christ, and they'll, they say the Son, and, but they won't say Jesus. Why? 
because Jesus makes them uncomfortable. The name of Jesus makes them uncomfortable. Uh, and, and they'll say, they'll talk all around that name, but they won't say their name. And I just think it's odd. Yeah, but I know a lot of people that are that way, right? When you get up into, you know, all the people that, who are, you know, highfalutin kind of folks there, you know, they're just so, they're so uh, professional that they just, they can't uh, belittle themselves by saying the name of Jesus. To them, it's such a common thing. It's such a common type of way of saying God. And yet, he said, in my name, they shall cast out devils. The name of Jesus, right? Uh, and it should be the most comfortable thing, you know, uh, I mean, my kids don't come and say, Father, uh, may we request something of thee. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't talk that way to me at all, right? Hey, Dad, do it, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, in my name, they ca- shall cast out devils. Uh, and, um, of course, Brother Randy is going to give us a, a crash course in casting out devils, among other things, I'm sure, uh, when, he, when he's here in the meeting um, in, at the end of April. Uh, and so, how do we cast out devils? Name of Jesus. What about the blood of Jesus? That sounds like a good way to do it. Is that what it says? Doesn't say that, right? So, should you use the uh, plead the blood to cast out devils? I mean, it sounds good. Not what it says. Amen. Who are we to change the word of God? Are you are you qualified to do that? You know, I remember when I was when I was in elementary school, back when they used to do this. Of course, if they did it now, they just they'd tase somebody, right? And uh, and and. Um, probably uh, execute them, uh, they would give out New Testaments, right, in, in school. Remember when I used to do that? They'd give little, out little pocket New Testaments. Uh, now, I'm just a kid. I wasn't saved or a Christian or anything. I'm just, you know, uh, fourth or fifth grade, and they're giving out these New Testaments. And I'm thinking, like, New Testament, like, it's brand new. Like, like today, it's, brand, it's new, right? New today. I didn't know it was new. I mean, it's 2,000 years ago, right? So that's not really new. But, you know, you don't know that when you're in fourth or fifth grade and then go to church. And so I'm thinking, as just a kid, who could do that? Who, who could write a new Bible? I mean, who, who's qualified to do something like that? Because I just thought the Bible was delivered to mankind like from heaven or something. And, and so now somebody decided we're going to have a new Bible, a New Testament. Uh, and it really confused me for years, you know, of course, until I, I learned something. But, uh, and so even as a kid, I knew better than changing the Word of God. I thought, well, you can't do that. You can't just say, well, here's a New Testament, right? Because there was an old one, and I guess it's old now. And I didn't know there was a, you know, I didn't know there was such a thing, an Old Testament, New Testament. You know, they don't teach that in, in, uh, in secular school, but, you know, and so uh, that, that's more than a lot of adults know, right? A lot of adults go, well, I know it says in my name, but we're going to use the blood of Jesus instead. Mm-hmm. I know it says in my name, but we're going to use holy water, right? We're going to use anointed this comes from Jerusalem, right? Uh, this, this anointing oil, it's from Jerusalem, uh, pressed from the olives, you know, on, on the, uh, the Mount of Olives. And, and so, you know, it's got to it's cast out devils. Uh, and so, uh, whatever, right? So, <laughs> uh, in my name they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take, and, and in my name part is really the preface for all of these uh, signs. Uh, they shall take up serpents if they drink any dead of the thing and it shall not hurt them and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Uh, and so, is it they shall lay hands on the sick, and if it's the will of God, they will recover? I mean, it actually, it, I mean, you could say that in faith and be correct, right? Because it is always the will of God. But the way we say it is, we don't know if it's the will of God. Uh, and so, even in a Pentecostal church, how many times have people in a Pentecostal church prayed for people say, Lord, if it's your will, heal so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Even in a Pentecostal church. Well, what they're saying is, we don't know if it's the will of God. And so we're just throwing it out there. Lord, uh, you know, we don't have any real faith. Uh, and Lord, if you want to heal them, then, then that's great. If you don't want to heal them, not got anything to do with my faith, then you've decided not to heal them. Uh, and, and that's really disrespectful to the word of God. It's, it's disrespectful to the heart of God. Because what you're saying, you know, you just think about that from God's perspective. He's in heaven, and you're praying, uh, Lord, we don't know if it's your will, but if it is your will, heal him. Otherwise, just let him stay the same. Now, he's hearing that in heaven going, did, did, I, did I say something that would make him think it's not my will? Why, 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 can you tell me why you don't think it's my will to heal my own children? Can you give me some more details? I mean, I, you, where did where, you get this from? But, you know, uh, uh, really, uh, faith, if you think about the, the fundamentals of how faith works, 
faith, in fact, F.F. Bosworth said it this way. He said, faith begins where the will of God is known. And you've got to really meditate on that, on that statement. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Because what is your faith in? When you say faith, what does that mean? Faith, I mean, you know, have faith. But what does that mean, have faith? Have faith in what? I mean, it's have, have faith in God, but it's really have faith in what God has spoken, right? Because our faith is only in what God has spoken. Amen? It's not in just, it's, faith is not a generic term. Faith is, uh, is the Lord has spoken, I've reviewed what he has spoken, I choose to believe that it's so. And that's really all faith is. It's not complicated, it's not hard to obtain, uh, but uh, that's what faith is. So if you don't know what it says, then what is your faith in? So, so when you're saying, Lord, uh, if it's your will, heal this person, then where is your faith, right? Because if you don't know the will of God, then what is your faith in? Well, my faith is just in God. But that doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, you have to break it down. Okay, your faith is in God, but what about God that you have faith in? Your faith is only in what God has spoken, right? Your faith is, he said that I am, Right? And when Moses said, who, who shall I say sent me? You say, I am. Well, do you believe that God is? Well, then you have faith in the word because he said, I am. So then that's what your faith is. And well, I believe that he said that he is, so I believe that he is. Uh, and so uh, uh, faith is not uh, difficult, but a lot, a lot of times we kind of wrap it up in these flowery sounding words and, and these ideas and concepts to make it so kind of untouchable and, and, and uh, impossible to uh, to express that nobody even knows if they're in faith. Uh, and if you just break it down to what, what is faith in, faith is only in the Word of God. That's it. It's not in somebody's testimony. It's not in somebody's experiences. It's only in the Word of God. And so if you find it in the Word of God, then that's what you have faith in. And so if he said uh, that uh, the believer shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, then that's, then that's what it says. And if that's what it says, then it's so. And if it's so then that should be your expectation. When you lay hands on somebody, then, Lord, you said, well, I lay hands on them, they'll recover. What if they don't recover? Well, I guess it wasn't God's will. No, that's not, that's not, the, that's not the correct response. Uh, if they don't recover, then, uh, then you have to go back, first of all, well, Lord, uh, is, there, is there a time frame here? Sometimes, you, sometimes there, there is a, uh, a, a time frame in healing and receiving, uh, or praying and receiving healing, uh, and it could be a short time frame. It shouldn't be a long time frame, like you know, 20 years kind of kind of thing. Because what's the point of getting healed after 20 years? You've been sick for 20 years. That's not very helpful, right? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, it could be uh, it could be a faith on their part. It could be the lack of faith on your part. Because sometimes people go through the motions, but they don't really have faith it's going to happen. So uh, you, can, you can start examining, but what you don't do is you examine it on God's side. Well, God, why didn't you heal them? So you should never ask that question because it's an invalid question. It's an improper question because you're saying if God, if God didn't heal him, then, then there's something on God's side that he needs to change in order to decide to heal him. Uh, and so uh, if, if, whether it's healing or anything else, if something's not working, I always go to the Lord and, and say, Lord, where did I miss it? What have I done wrong? Am, am I not in faith? Is there a hindrance in my life that's causing you to not be able to bless me? Uh, because your word says that the believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Not sometimes, not only if it's God's will. How many times? Every time, right? I mean, the, the word of God says the believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And we find no example either in the Gospels or in the book of Acts when any, any believer laid hands on somebody and they did not recover. They always recovered. Uh, and, and really, in the church today, we've got a lot worse uh, uh, results than they did in, in the Gospels and the book of Acts, right? So we need to pick our game up, amen? We need, when we lay hands on people, our faith should be 100% to healed. Yes. Uh, and, and even for, for me, as a pastor, when I'm laying hands on somebody, that's always my faith. Yes. Whatever, whatever they've come for, my faith is 100% they're going to get healed. And unless the Lord gives me other information that, that expresses why they may not get healed, like maybe they're not in faith or maybe they're in sin or something, uh, it's pretty rare that he does that. Uh, but if he does do that, then I'll understand why they may not get it, right? Some people come up and, and they're kind of, uh, their attitude is, well, let's see if it works, right? And so 
Sometimes they're not much in faith. You know, sometimes the Lord can override that. Some people, you know, they don't have any faith. And I know sometimes uh, uh, in praying for people, one of the most important things to do before you pray for them, before you lay hands on them, is to find out where they are in their faith. What is your faith? When I lay hands on you, what do you believe is going to happen? Well, I don't know. Let's just see and find out. Well, see, they're not in faith. Uh, and so, you know, your, your faith might be able to carry them, but maybe it can't. And so it's always best to find out where they are in faith because the, the best situation is when they're in faith and you're in faith, then, then it's okay. Now, if it's the unbelievers, right, people outside the church, you know, they've kind of got a pretty sweet deal because in theory, the church has a right to go out. And if, they, if they'll let you, you go pray for them and, and the Lord will bless them because of your faith. Uh, but when it comes to the church, see, it's, it's a little different in the church because we're supposed to be believing ones. Uh, and so if you're a child of God, but you're not really in faith in that area, that, that just makes it more difficult for the Lord uh, to heal you, uh, heal you by somebody else's faith because he, he's expecting you to have faith. And so what I always encourage people is when you go up in the prayer line, you always go in faith. You always go, Lord, as soon as that person lays hands on me, I'm going to receive everything I've come for. That should always be your prayer before you go up in the prayer line, right? Uh, whatever, the, whatever the prayer line is for, if it's for healing or something else. Lord, I'm going to get everything that I have need of when I go, go up there. And so what you're doing is you're just joining your faith with the minister's faith, right? Or the person is laying hands on your faith. You're, you're doubling up your faith. And that's a good way to go. Uh, and, you know, historically speaking, the, even the Pentecostal church has been very weak in this area that we have not, uh, you know, I consider our church to be part of the Pentecostal movement, uh, but we have not uh, done right really by God. We should be the carriers of faith for the rest of the church, showing the church, hey, God's a big God. He does all these things he said he was going to do. He does miracles and signs and wonders and healing, all of these things. He does all these things. And that was, that, of course, the Lord always intended the Pentecostal church to be everybody in the church. Uh, and so, uh, the, the Lord wants and needs people to be faith, to, to be in faith, to believe that when he says these things, these things are unchangeable. Uh, and so, uh, so to me, when I, when I read these things, they're really straightforward. They're not difficult to understand, not hard to accept. Uh, people say, well, it's hard. It's not hard. Do you believe that? And say, well, it's hard to believe that. So you're saying that, uh, that you don't really know the Lord because if you know the Lord, see, if you knew me, and, I, and, and uh, you said, hey, uh, can I borrow 20 bucks? I said, I don't have it. I'll get it tomorrow. What would you, if you really knew me, what would you, what would you know? 20, tomorrow, you're getting $20, right? You're not, you're not uh, 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 it's not if and a but, right? Because some people say, I'll give it to you tomorrow, knowing they're not going to give it to you tomorrow. You, know, you ever know people that, that would do that? Make a promise. They know they're not going to do it, but they'll put you off to tomorrow so they can get away with not doing that. Well, people like that, no, and, and, and the church is full of people like that, right? Our church is perfect. We don't have any people like that. But other people, right, in the church do that. Uh, so, but if you knew that person that was like that, and they said, well, I'll give you it to tomorrow, you know, you, and you wouldn't say anything probably, but inside you'd be like, eh, it's 50-50, maybe. On a good day, 50-50. It's more than likely not going to happen. Why? Because you know that person, right? You know them to not be a person of character. But somebody else, if they said it, you'd be like, oh, yeah. The earth will stop spinning before that doesn't happen. That will happen. Because they said it's going to happen, that will happen. And, and you want to be a person of character, right? You want to be a person that's known uh, for your word. Well, all faith is, is do you know the Lord to be a man of his word? Do you know him that when he says it, it happens? See, if you know that, see, then when he says, uh, uh, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, then, th then that's, that's as solid as anything. Best investment, uh, way better than the stock market, right? That's a solid investment, right? That's something that you know you can put your money on and it's going to happen. Amen. And that's really all faith is. If you knew the Lord the way we're supposed to know the Lord, the way we can know the Lord, then when he speaks it, then you know, okay. Because uh, when I'm reading the Word of God, part of why I'm reading the Word, the Word of God is, is to find all the secret promises the Lord has given to me yeah. that maybe nobody else has ever said anything about. And I'll read it and go, oh, you, you said it, Lord. It's done deal. Once you said it, it's a done deal. He has to perform it. Yes. Uh, we're not being rude or unkind to the Lord. Sometimes people say, well, it's arrogant to, to demand the Lord uh, do these things. It's not arrogant to, for the Lord uh, to say, Lord, you said it, and I expect you to do it. That's what he wants us to do, right? Yes. He said, put me in, in remembrance of my word. Yes. Well, Lord, you said to do it. So you said you'd do it. So, Lord, I'm coming to you with your promises. Uh, and so is that so? Is that, does, does the Lord want us to go into all the world to preach the gospel? 
He does. If he still wants us to go into all the world to preach the gospel, then he wants us to go into the world to do all these other things as well. Uh, the preaching of the gospel did not end uh, with these other signs and wonders uh, at, at, the, at the first century, right? Because what you hear uh, people a lot of times, they, they get stuck and they say, well, okay, we have to, now they don't say it this way, but in their hearts, they've come to the conclusion, we have to somehow uh, uh, discredit everything other than the preaching of the gospel. And so the speaking of tongues, you know, that, that's not necessary anymore. Laying on a hand of sick, you know, that was only necessary to get the church established. And, and so they attack every one of these signs other than preaching the gospel. Preach the gospel, you know, you still got to do that. But the other ones, you know, we, we shouldn't do that. And they'll have all these reasons and why. And because and it's, it's unbelief, right? We're attacking faith. And so they, they will go through every one of these bullet points and say, here's why these things aren't so for today. And then you know, a, a Christian with childlike faith go, yeah, but it says right there, do it. You know, and then, well, uh, we should do it. Well, you shouldn't do that, but it says right there. You know, people with childlike faith, they see all that highfalutin stuff just goes right over their head. Like, what, what are you talking? It says right there, do it. So we should do it. Yeah. Well, you know, brother, if, you, if you're really wise like I am, you know, you would know that these things are not for today. But it says right there, you know. I love childlike Christians, right? Because they just read the word and go, oh, lay hands and think. Okay, uh, I just found out today, who wants hands laid up right now? I mean, five seconds ago, I didn't know that, but I know now who wants, I'll do it right now. And th- th- that's somebody God can work with, amen? People are just so intelligent that, that they become stupid you know, and, and just say that these things are not for us today, you know? And it's like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, and so uh, let's, let's go over to, uh, to James. So that was the first one. And, and in James uh, chapter 5, uh, he gives a second reason why uh, we should believe that divine healing is for today. Uh, and so he comes down. Um, it says, it's God's direct command here in James 5.14. Now, I think he could have given a lot, a lot of reasons why this is for today, right? But these are the two he picked, right? You could have gone to 1 Peter 2.24, that by his stripes you were healed, and that, that, has that expired? Has his stripes expired? If his stripes have expired, then his blood has expired. If his blood's expired, then that means there's no hope for humanity. Uh, and so, but people are like, you know, well, that's not for us today. You know, well, it says it's for us today, right? Uh, and so uh, it's God's direct command here. So he says in James chapter 5, let's start up in verse 13. It says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Uh, and so uh, afflicted means to be in trouble, hardship, or, or tribulation. Uh, he, he didn't say complain about it or tell everybody in the world all your woes and difficulties and you pray you know the lord does expect you to do some things on your own amen it's so hard you hear people talk about it's how hard it's being a christian i'm afflicted every day pray i mean my bible says are you afflicted yeah well then pray all right is is any man uh, mary let him sing psalms um uh, now that doesn't mean in public right i'm thankful it doesn't say publicly sing songs because i'm stuck I mean, I could sing psalms publicly, but nobody would be merry after that. I'd be merry, but nobody else would be merry after I sang it. Uh, is any sick among you? Uh, and so I like that it's a question, because the answer could be no. Uh, you know, because it doesn't say, uh, for, the, for the sick that are among you, let him call for the elders of the church. He said, is any sick among you? Like, it could be no. Now, nowadays, you know, in the church, is, is that a valid question? Hey, anybody uh, uh, sick today? I mean, you, you get... Uh, almost any church of any size, and somebody's going to be sick about something, amen? But there was, an, there was implied here that there could be a scenario where nobody's sick. Now, and, and really, that's God's best, right, that, that we live in divine health. Uh, he said, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Now, uh, the thing about this, when you look at the whole counsel of God, right, from the, from, uh, the Gospels to the book of Acts and then all the epistles, uh, what we see is, because uh, we just read in, in Mark 16 that the believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? Now it says here, uh, that of course, you can also go to 1 Peter 2.24 and just declare that by his stripes I was healed, therefore I'm healed. Could you get healing that way? We see in, in Acts 14 where uh, the handkerchiefs uh, and aprons were taken from Paul's body and laid, hand, laid on the sick and they recovered that way. Uh, and so what we see is there's a diverse, way, uh, uh, diverse uh, number of ways that the Lord has provided healing for his people. All the way from just getting it on your own, right? 
Uh, then you go into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where you, where you see gifts of healings, right? Mer- working of miracles. And so there could be a special anointing upon somebody's life to pray for the sick. Beyond just the simple faith of laying hands on the sick, there can be the special anointing of gifts of healings. Uh, and then you get to James chapter 5, where it says, <clears throat> let the elders, uh, is any sick among you? Uh, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so this is one way. It's not the only way, so it's not required you have to do it this way, but this is one way, right? Uh, and, and this is implying that you haven't got it on your own. And so if you haven't gotten it on your own, then call for the elders of the church. Uh, and so... And, and so it says uh, uh, in verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Uh, now that word saved there uh, is, the, is the Greek word heal or Greek word sozo. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, but the prayer of faith, so it's not, it's not in the fact that they're elders, right? Uh, well, only elders can pray. It's a prayer of faith that saves the sick, right? So it's not the elder's position that saves the sick or heals the sick. It's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. So again, it goes back to faith. Everything always drives back to faith. Uh, and if you'll, uh, if you'll always uh, know that, then uh, just like when uh, in Acts 14, when the handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from Paul's body and placed on the sick and they recovered, and even uh, demonic spirits were cast out of them uh, from that. It goes back to faith, right? Was it, was it, special, was it special material? That, that material caused them to be healed? No, nothing about the material. Was it the position of these people in the church as elders that caused them to be healed? No, it's got nothing to do with the people in their position. It's always the same thing. Paul had faith in the anointing upon his life, and when he laid hands on it, that, that anointing was carried in that cloth by his faith, uh, and it affected a healing and cure in the receivers of that. Same thing here. The elders of the church prayed the prayer of what? Faith. And so it was faith that got the job done. Uh, and so... Um, uh, he goes and gives us a few details here about um, uh, where it says call for the elders of the church call means to call or to summon so that, that's a commandment right to call you do this you do these things right and I've seen people where they get upset the pastor didn't even come pray for me well I mean it says right there you're supposed to call the elders of the church is the pastor not an elder of the church I'm an elder of the church right I mean as a pastor I'm, I'm automatically an elder of the church uh, why am I supposed to call you you can call me. He doesn't say you can call me, right? Now, I could call you, and it's fine if I call you, right? But don't get mad if I don't call you because it says you have the right to call me. Amen? Is that what it says? I didn't write this, right? I'm, I'm just reading what it says. Well, you didn't, you didn't call me. You're supposed to call me, right? And so, uh, you know, uh, don't, it just, you know, we, should, we get so touchy sometimes, right? Uh, and, and, um, and look, you know, just like uh, people leave the church sometimes, uh, and they get mad. Well, you didn't even come come. Uh, come after me when after I left the church. And then I think about, you know, uh, all the, the three, the three uh, parables in, the, in Luke 15. You know, you get the lost sheep, right? Remember, uh, he left the 99 and went to go find the one? That's great. And I went to go find the one, right? And then the 10 coins, right? Uh, had nine coins and lost one. They went and found, went, found, went and looked for the lost coin, found it, right? Then you get the prodigal son. Prodigal son left the dad, right? Left everything. What did the dad do? Nothing. He didn't chase anyone. He waited for the son to come back. So there's no biblical doctor says, you know, if you leave, I have to go chase you. Now, I might chase you, but what if I don't chase you? In fact, you know, of all the people that have ever left the church, you know, some people I call and, and you know, kind of follow up with them. Because some people, you know, they, they struggle and that's fair, right? I mean, it's fair in the sense that, you know, some people need to be discipled and, and, and cared for in that way until they get to a point in their maturity level. Uh, but one, per, one person in particular, they'd left the church twice. I've chased them twice and got them back in church. And the third time, the Lord said, you don't go chase them. Uh, and, you know, they're probably mad at me today. Well, you didn't come chase me. Well, you should have been, as long as you were in the church, you were there plenty of time. You should have, by that time, been chasing other people that left the church and helping them, discipling other people. Uh, you know, and so the Lord's like, hey, they've been chased twice. And he told me, you don't do it. I was about to call him. You don't call him. What do you do? You don't call him. You mad about it? No, I'm not mad about it. You know, are they mad about it? I don't know. I didn't call him. So I don't know. Maybe they're mad about it. I don't know. Uh, and so uh, who calls? You call. Are you sick? You call. 
Because, see, your faith should be, I need, I need help. And if you'll come and help me, I'll get it. See, that, that's, that's all of us wrapped up in faith, right? Everything's in the prayer faith. So when they get there, you know, if they started saying, uh, Lord, uh, if it's your will, heal. No, no, no. We, we, can I get a different elder? This elder, you know, this wrong elder. I need an elder that's going to pray the prayer of faith. I don't need an elder that's going to pray the maybe prayer of faith, right? I need the actual prayer of faith. And so, uh, you know, you get the second elder, right? You have to work down your, the list of elders, amen? Uh, we've got good elders around here that will pray the prayer of faith. And so, uh, it will save the sick. Uh, and so, uh, what's the result uh, if we obey the command of calling for the elders of the church? It says they'll pray the prayer of faith, and they'll save the sick, right? Um, and so, uh, it, it's... Uh, uh, because it's the word, the English word save there, uh, they say, well, see, since it says save, it's talking about spiritual sickness, right? And, and I love how people will, will, will say things like that. Again, why? Well, you always got to go back to what are you trying to get rid of? Trying to get rid of the spiritual, the supernatural by saying it's spiritual, uh, spiritual sickness. Okay, give me, give me book, chapter, and verse for spiritual sickness. You got, anybody got book, chapter, verse for spiritual sickness? No, why not? Because there's no such thing. No such thing as spiritual sickness. Nobody's ever been spiritually healed. You get born again spiritually. Amen? But that's not being healed. That's being born again. Amen? Because uh, you're dead. You're spiritually dead. Now you're spiritually alive. So you weren't healed. You were born again. You were raised from the dead. Uh, and so, and the same thing, there's no, there's no such thing as, as sick in your soul. Well, they're sick in their soul. People say that, oh, they're just sick in their soul, right? I think that's a line from uh, It's a Wonderful Life, right? He's just, he's just uh, uh, what's, what's the evil guy's name, the rich guy's name in It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, come on, y'all. I've seen it. Uh, you know, Mr. Uh, whatever his name is, right? Uh, Potter, Mr. Yeah. Potter, right? He's sick in his soul. Okay, that's fine. That's not a Bible phrase, right? That's from It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, amen? And our faith is not in It's a Wonderful Life. Amen? Uh, you don't get healed in your soul. You get your mind renewed. Uh, and so the only healing we ever see is in the physical, physical body. So to say this is talking about spiritual healing tells me that you don't know anything about the Word of God, right? Because it's not, there's, no, there's no other Bible verse ever talking about spiritual healing. It's only ever spiritual rebirth and, and uh, soul being renewed and physical body being healed. Uh, and this word healed means healed, right? It's, it's a common word for, for healed. Uh, and so, so uh, well, how do we, well, well, was the Bible written in English? Was it written in King James? Brother, the King James Bible is the only Bible you know, I mean, out there, right? But, you know, that's, that's great, except when was the King James translation written? 1611, right? So, so what did the church do for the first 1,611 uh, years? Years. Right? Uh, uh, I mean, they were stuck, right? Because poor Jesus, you know, spoke in, uh, spoke in Greek. Uh, and yet, uh, um, unfortunately, the church had no faith for 1,600 years until the King James Bible came around. No, the King James Bible is not the only Bible, you know. There are a lot of good translations other than the King James. I know, I mean, I'm reading out of the King James, but I don't read it because it's the only Bible, you know. Uh, it's not the only Bible. And so, anyway, uh, the Lord didn't speak King James he spoke Greek, and so, you know, sometimes you have to do a little studying. Uh, you see oftentimes where the word uh, sozo, that's the Greek word that's here, they're saved, uh, you see it as uh, translated as uh, in different ways. Sometimes it's translated uh, saved, sometimes it's translated be made whole, sometimes it's translated be healed. Uh, but, the, but the Greek word sozo um, uh, in, uh, here in the scriptures has three primary definitions. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the, the three that we want to look at uh, means to be uh, delivered or to be healed or, or, or um, uh, look at the, let's look at the last one here. Um, well, well, we'll cover those two here. We'll look at the next, next one uh, next, uh, next week here. Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, it was not translated heal the sick, but that's just English, right? So the Greek word is, is sozo. Uh, and uh, it means, uh, well, it does mean to be saved, right? When we talk about being saved, it means to be saved uh, in the sense of being saved spiritually or to be healed or be delivered. So those are the three definitions of the Greek word sozo. So, uh, and just real quick, I'll just give you these uh, uh, verses here um, in the area of healing, 
right? Uh, and so we know in, in Romans it says, who shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that word there, saved, is also sozo. But in the area of healing, uh, in Matthew uh, 9, 22, and we're, we're out of time today, so I'll just uh, mention these and then we'll pick these back up next week. But in Matthew 20, uh, 9, 22, it says, thy faith has made thee whole. Uh, and of course, that means to be healed. Uh, in Mark 6, 56, uh, it says, as many as touched him were made whole. Uh, and so, again, there's the, 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 the Greek word there, and these are some of the verses that he gave as well. Uh, and, and we may have to come up with some, some other verses that uh, show this in a little bit better light. Uh, in uh, Mark uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 52, it says, Thy faith has made thee whole. And then in Luke 8, 48, it says, Thy faith has made thee whole. And, and all of those are the same Greek word, sozo. And so he's making the point specifically that, that it's talking about physical healing in all of these cases, in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, he's talking about physical healing. Uh, and so, but the Greek word sozo has three primary definitions. It, it, it means to be saved in the sense of being born again. Uh, it means to be healed physically from sickness and disease. And it means to be delivered from, from destruction. You remember uh, one time when, uh, when Peter was walking on water uh, and he began to sink and he said, Lord, save me. That's the Greek word sozo. So he didn't need physical healing. He didn't need to be uh, uh, saved spiritually. He was talking about save me from drowning, right? Save me from destruction. Uh, and so, uh, and, and the thing about sozo is it does not include prosperity. So some people say, well, sozo is all inclusive. You know, it's a package deal, includes prosperity. There's no, there's no <clears throat> insight that the Greek word sozo includes prosperity. Now, other verses include prosperity, right? It is God's will to prosper his people but not, not from the Greek word sozo, it's from other verses. Uh, and so we'll pick this up again next week. We'll go back through some of these things and just see them in detail. And, and um, I'll make a note of here to uh, go through. And, and I just want to show you three verses that shows the full account of the Greek word sozo, for not just for healing, but just so you have it in your notes. We'll look at, the, the, uh, uh, we'll look at Peter's when he was uh, uh, walking on the water, and then we'll look at uh, Romans where it talks about being saved spiritually and then we'll look at uh, other words uh, uh, in addition to just being made whole also where they were healed just because the Greek uh, was translated in English and they had to pick a word, right? And so sometimes the King James, you know, I think they could have picked better words for that. And I know some translators will get to the word sozo and they'll always translate it as saved because they don't want to, if you, you just look up in a, in a lexicon, the Greek word sozo, and you'll see that uh, outside of the scriptures, it has these three definitions and how it's used in the scriptures. It's clear that it's those three definitions. And so if that's the way the word, the word of God uses it, then we should allow it to work uh, by context to find out what it's, what it's being uh, used as and use it that way. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so we'll, we'll look at that uh, a little bit more detail next week uh, because it, uh, um, it, it will be helpful. Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that uh, your word is so. And, Father, if you declared and, and commanded us to call for the elders of the church uh, and to have the elders to pray the prayer of faith, Father, then that's another way for us to obtain our healing. And so we thank you for that, Father, that we can call for the elders of the church and ask them to come pray for us. Uh, and, Father, if they have faith, then they'll come and pray the prayer of faith, and we shall be healed. Uh, and so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the, the, uh, the Greek word sozo is a good, it's a good word to, uh, to do some studying on it in depth because it's actually used a lot of different places in the New Testament uh, in, in a lot of different contexts. Uh, and so if you look at all of the, uh, the references for the Greek word uh, sozo, and you can look it up in your... Um, uh, if you have a Bible program, you can look up the actual Greek word and find out everywhere it's being used and how and all the different words that it's being translated as. Uh, and, uh, and you'll see that it's, it's used in a wide variety of ways. Amen. All right. Praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. Uh, and so um, it's the 4th of February, right? So all is well. Amen. Just uh, uh, about... Uh, four months from now, Brother Randy will be here with us, right? So it won't be long. Actually, he'll be here with us next month, right? Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and, um, 
And so uh, he'll be here with us uh, next month. And then in, in May, we, and, and at the end of April, and we've actually got another guest minister coming in May. Uh, and then um, um, I think that'll be it for a while. Then Brother Randy being back with us in August. And then uh, Marilyn Neubauer will be with us uh, in September. Um, and so I think that's currently all the uh, ministers. And every now and we get some other ministers that we know that they travel a lot, and then sometimes they're traveling in this area. They'll come by and, and, uh, um, uh, and minister for us. Amen. Uh, so all right, well, have a wonderful week, and um, we'll see you Wednesday. Right?